spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.
All right, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. We started things off there tonight with our Italian brethren, Rex and Fury. That song is Flight to the Sky. Great band. That, Believe it or not, that the album that this song came off of was recorded back in the late 80s, but it didn't see the light of day until 2005. And just thinking about that, it's almost 10 years ago. So I'm really starting to feel all right now. But I'm glad everybody's here tonight. We've got an amazing show. Our good friend George Neal. From Halloween, well, he's got a new band going on. Not that Halloween's not around anymore, but Ichabob Crane is his latest. And Tom Wassman is joining him tonight. And later on in the second half of the show, Rotten Rod from Nightmare 2. So we really dug deep into the underground vault this week. And I had to tap it to the Heavy Metal Mayhem uh, budget this past week. I hired the best private detectives in the world. I got Pinkerton on the job. I have Doberman Pinscher sniffing out his scent. But we finally found him. Mr. Thomas Flanger, he's here tonight. Tommy, how are you, my friend? Good evening, my friend, Michael. What's going on there? I'm doing well, doing well. Good. I, I had to send out a search and rescue mission for you last week. Yeah, yeah, I kind of lay low for a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, you're here now. Who's Pinkerton? The Pinkerton Detective Agency. They've been around for like 500 years. Oh, okay. Well, since the, not 500 years, but since the Western times, you know. Uh, really? They were hired by all the old, uh, you know, rich people back then, the rough people up. They were like a private detective agency. Okay. The people use them as like the police. They were the law back then, you know. Okay. Yeah, because you couldn't trust nobody. That's right. That's right. Okay. I think that guy who had to steal the steel mills uh, back in the day it wasn't Rockefeller. Who had to steal? Rockefeller was oil, right? No, it was oil, Rockefeller. Yeah. Rockefeller was oil. Yeah. Whoever had the steel mills back then hired them to rough up the workers when they wanted to unionize. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They came I in, thought... they shot them up, and killed a lot of them. Wow. Who the hell had the Who had the steel mills back then? Wasn't Wasn't Rockefeller? No, it was a Rockefeller. It was a Vanderbilt. I think it was Andrew Carnegie. Carnegie. No, Carnegie, Carnegie. was oil, too. It was one of those two. <laughs> there were only four people back then that had the money, so it was one of those I two. I know, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was one of those two, but hey, we got you here tonight. That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah, we're right. hanging, man. We're having That's fun. That's right. Have you been uh, listening to the, the all the new Jewish Priest songs that they've been... They've kind of been throwing like, one out like every couple of days or yeah, once a yeah, week. Yeah, the most recent one... Uh, Dragonaut? Yeah, no, there was one right after that. The Dragonaut wasn't bad, although um, every one of them just sounds to me like demos. I hope. Oh, you don't, you'd be talking about production-wise. Yeah, production-wise. The songs are good. They'll be good live, and if they're produced better, I mean, I'm no, you know, I'm no rocket scientist, but it just to me, you know, in listening to previous Judas Priest albums, it yeah. just has no production, really, you know, great production on it. I don't know. I know what you're saying, but I, 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 they have to be the final versions because they're releasing them and the albums, yeah. are, the albums are already oh, recorded wow. in the bag. They have to be the final version. I don't know. Maybe I mean, it's just the technology today, the way things are. I mean, you guys just recorded recently and you recorded like, you know, in the new method, you know, in, with the new equipment compared to the old reel-to-reel days. And I don't know, is it just like the way things are recorded today? Well, even our even our rough mixes had this, you know, leap you know leap out of the speakers quality, you know. Yeah, like, it had a punch to it. That's how we wanted it. You know, it's very raw, but this is raw. But it's just it's like it's like somebody to me. It's not. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's missing that pizzazz. Yeah, exactly. And Halford's voice is not really like he doesn't have a lot of enthusiasm. I mean. Listen to like his very first solo, you know, Halford solo record, and then listen to this. It's like what? 
Yeah. I mean, well, a lot too. of a lot of people have been complaining about the same thing you are, the production value and that his voice is kind of lacking. But, you yeah. know, a part of me says, you know what, compared to Nostradamus, I think these songs are great. Yeah, the production oh, yeah. don't sound so great, but I'm like, the guy is 64 years old. I mean, yeah. he's not going to sound like he did on Resurrection, and he's not going to sound like he did, you well, know, go back to the same class. Well, either. Resurrection was, what, only three or four years ago? I mean, really, do you? I oh, mean, three or four years ago. Really? Was that long ago? No. That was about a decade ago, I think. Holy shit, man. Time really goes too fast for me. (laughs) Yeah, I've sleeping a little too much lately. (laughs) I think... uh, Resurrection came out in 2000. It was almost 15 years ago. Oh, man. And even Crucible, which was the follow-up, was uh, in 2001 or two. And I think Made of Metal was in 2010. That was four years ago. And that was like his last, uh, you know, uh, Alfred record. I mean, even though that wasn't the greatest made of metal, it had it had better production than this. Yeah, no, it did, it did. But I can't fault the guy for sounding, you know, maybe not sounding as great as he used to be. I mean, he's 64 years old. I can't even walk uh, to the corner store without taking a breath, you know. So you might be right. You might be right. You gotta give, you gotta give a little slack. I think people are trying to judge him too much on the old priest. And come on, these guys are in this. Outside of Richie Faulkner, most of these guys are in the mid to late 60s. So the fact yeah, that they're still doing it, I mean, that's. You know, that's where I expected it to be even more exciting because now Richie's in, you know what I mean? And you can hear yeah. those, those riffs. Uh, not every song, but those riffs are definitely Richie's. I you would think so. I, yeah. I think you so. He brought back it. a lot of that old sound to them. They're really good riffs. It's just that, to me, the production, um, I was hoping that maybe those songs were just like, you know, rough mixes just to uh, excite, you know, to taste yeah. the, the appetite, you know, wet the appetite, I mean. Oh. I guess we're going to have to wait till the final version comes out to see if it does sound the same. I think it's that is the final version, but we'll see. You know what? I would definitely go catch them live if they come around because yeah, I don't know how yeah. many more years ago. I mean, are these guys really going to be performing two, three years from now when they're closing in on 70? I mean, yeah. you know, there's a lot of artists, you know, that could play at that age, you know, other types of genres of music, but heavy metal, that's, yeah, that's physically demanding. I mean, you know, it's not like Vic Damone. I mean, he just passed away too, Vic Damone, but I'm yeah. just saying it's not like stuff like that. You know, this is, this is hard. So. Yeah, yeah. It's not like, I mean, even the Who. I mean, you know, when when Townsend you know winds up with the windmill, you know, you got <laughs> they all watching him. You know, of course. Well, you know, he's got the life alert thing on. You got to have that life alert necklace on at these. <laughs> this, you know, I know. Well, you know what? It's pretty so. They kind of get a pass in a way on a lot of stuff, and you know, rightly so. They they earned it. They deserve their their place in the history. But another guy who's putting out two new records, well, I guess it's going to be at the end of the year or beginning of next year, is Paul Diano. Now, I thought this guy retired. He said he was retiring last year after he did those run of shows. Now, he's still playing live. Now, he's putting out two records. I think one he's putting out under the killer's name, and I guess one is a solo record. This is a guy who not only should should retire, but should be locked up somewhere in a dungeon and and not released anymore. He can't sing. He can't perform. I don't even know why he's still... I know why he's out there. He's trying to make some money and keep the name going, but it's horrific. It's like it's like getting robbed every time you go to see this guy play live. He's just that bad these days. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, in the studio you can work a little bit of magic, you know, with the equipment to make it sound a little better. better but he yeah. just doesn't have it no more. And they should have locked him up for a lot longer with that welfare fraud over in England. <laughs> they should have kept him in jail longer to save us all the trouble. Liberal, I, guess. <laughs> I guess so. All right, well, you know what? George and Tom from Ichabod Crane are going to be calling in about ten minutes or so. And uh, we got Rotten Rod calling right after that. Everybody is live tonight, so that's really? a that's a plus. We've had a lot of pre-recorded interviews over the last few months. You know what it is? Coming into this time of the year on internet radio, things start to slow down at the end of June. 
And like for the next two months, it's kind of slow because it's the summertime. Everybody's out. Nobody's really sitting by the computer on a Sunday afternoon when it's beautiful out. Everybody's outside. Even though the show gets just as many listens, it's more so in the podcast end than the live end. Okay. So we're going to maybe just slow it down. We have guest book for the next two or three weeks, and then I have a few that are like uh, waiting for confirmation. So I think we're just going to let the summer ride out with whoever we get. We're going to give. I'm not going to actively look for guests over the next couple of months. Kind of take it easy and just play. Play a lot yeah. of music over the summer, you know? That sounds cool. That sounds yeah, cool. there's always interviews that get thrown your way every week because record labels are putting, you know, promoting their artists to have albums coming out. So we'll just, whoever's available, we'll just, you know, let them set it up and we'll kind of like relax and we'll come back strong in the fall. You know what I mean? Yes, definitely. Well, All right, well, from what let's I get noticed, uh, the, new song, the newest song, excuse me, was a Battle Cry and that was uh, put on the Facebook page on June 18th. And I had a really, it was really good. It was a really good, I mean, riff and everything. And it was probably one of the better of, of the lot, you know. I didn't even get a chance to listen to that one yet. I haven't even had a chance to sit down and go through a lot yeah, of the music. I'm going gonna, gonna to get to that one after the show tonight and check it out. And yeah. we'll have the new album next week with the label. We'll get it on, our, you know, on, on one of our download sites. Yeah. So we're here with the final mixes and how it sounds next week. Actually, it'll probably be up this week because this is the last week of the month, so. We'll probably get that now. Uh, so uh, check your download links that you get sent or the sites, and it'll be on and, there. And you also right. It was Carnegie that was with this. Okay, uh, there you go. I know it was one of those two. Very good. Yeah. So you that know thing. your but, history better than I do. Yeah, well, you know what it is? I watched that program on the History Channel. Uh, the Men Who Made America was a great program. Yes, yes, yes. It was like a four-part series. Like each one focused on one of them, and that was really good. So, I mean, they got the repeats on like, you know, every three hours. Right. It was called oil, but, right? It was mostly oil. It was that. old, and then it went to him with the steel, and it started out right. with uh, Vanderbilt with the steam, uh, with the steamboats and everything. And right, right, it, it was, right. It was, I tell you, they did a really good job on that one, you know? And then it wound up with like, you know, Edison and uh, Scott, who I think Ford, and ended with those two. So... Really good program if anybody had it. I know we're not a history show, but if you haven't caught it, catch it. Like I said, every three hours I'm running a repeat of it on one channel or another, so you can find it there. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get on some tunes right now. How about, uh, you know what? One of our guests tonight is a New Jersey native, so maybe we'll get on something by his other band. Uh, but uh, right now we'll go to Hades. Uh, I wish these guys would do more. They, they're technically still together, but they don't really play that often. Every now and then if there's a special thing or an event, they'll get together and play. But right. I would love for them to get active again, maybe put out some new music. Alan Tecchio is one of the best singers in heavy metal, and, and Dan yeah. Lorenzo is an amazing guitar player. So I would love to see more. But we're going to go back to that first single that the band put out with Alan Tecchio on vocals, His Widow's Might. <laughs> Oh, 
Jersey advocate with do or die. The guy's going to be calling in about two minutes to you, so I want to get a, a song off that brand new record. This is Ichabob oh. Crane. The album is Dave Reckoning. It'll be out real soon. We're going to talk to the guys about that. Let's get on one quick song. We'll talk to the band. We'll play another song right after that. Maybe a little Halloween. All right, so here you go. This is Fallen Angel. <laughs> Yeah. 
Man, that is such a killer song, T. What a great record this is. This is why, you know, no matter how many different genres of metal there are out there, no matter how it changed over the years, there's nothing better than classic sound and heavy metal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's great. And George is an old friend of the show. He's, you know, everybody knows George from Halloween. The band's been around forever. You know, they just put a new record out a few years ago, too. And Tom Wassman, he was in Sleepy Hollow for years, another great new band out of New Jersey. And uh, actually playing guitar is Rick Craig, who was the original guitar player for the band Halloween. So him and George hooked up again for this band. And you have Jeff Schlintz on vocals from a band called Wolfhook. Uh, I don't know if he's still in Wolfhook. We'll have to ask and find out. But uh, they put out, I, I got a demo tape from them a while back, and they were just playing classic metal. Like, you know, unbelievable. And he sounds great on this album. So if you haven't picked up Day Reckoning yet, Get online and place your order because it's coming out real soon. I believe you have George on the line right now. Hey, George, is that you? That would be me. All right. What's going on, buddy? How you been? Oh, hang on. I think we got uh, Tom on the line also here. Hang on. Let me connect everybody. Tom, is that you? Hello? Hello? Tom, can you hear us? Yeah, I hear you perfect. Great. What's going on? How are you? Good. How you doing? Hey, you know, anytime I get somebody from New Jersey and somebody from Detroit together, can, how bad can it be? It seems to be working pretty good now. You know, the further away, the less I get on their nerves. (laughs) That's for sure. That's always on my nerves, though. (laughs) Give give me some time. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, about five minutes, right? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Hey, well, listen, guys, you've you got an amazing thing going on over here. Ichabob Crane, is this going to be like, I mean, you, you both got other things going on, but is this going to be something full-time or something you're going to dedicate a lot of time to because you also have other bands that you're involved in? Well, as far, far as me, this is something I am completely 100% both feet in. You know, it doesn't really conflict with any of the other stuff that I'm doing with the Halloween thing, you know, and... You know, something like it, it. It's so refreshing, you know. And my heart's in, my soul's in, and my everything I got is in. So, I, you know, we're planning on it being a full-time thing. Yeah, the same thing with me. I mean, again, uh, that depends I'm on how bad way. I get on his I'm nerves. Right? <laughs> sorry. Listen, George. I don't know how bad you can get on his nerves. I mean, he, he's worked with Bob Mitchell. I mean, I don't know how bad it can be that you can get on his nerves. <laughs> well, well, you, you know. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm gonna, I want to surprise him. No, it, it, honestly, it's a great thing. You know, he's a phenomenal drummer. You know, I've, we, I've been very blessed with <clears throat> with the musicians of this caliber to be able to, you know, accept me in on it. You know, so yeah. You know, it's definitely something that I my heart's into 100. percent That's great. Tom, how'd you hook up with George originally? Uh, well, you know, when I was doing the hollow thing, uh, you know, we had a we had a couple, uh, you know, we had a audition for a new guitarist, and Rick Craig was actually uh, the new guitarist for Sweetie Hollow. So, uh, you know, me and Rick were, you know, playing together, and you know, the hollow thing kind of went south, and then me and Rick decided to let's 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 do something together. You know, I mean, again, the musicianship and uh, the caliber of playing that, you know, and, and the way we played together. It was it was natural, you know. So it was like we can't just let this thing end, you know. Yeah. So me and we just started playing together, and we just started writing together, and you know, and that that's how the whole thing really started too. And then George got involved very early in the project, and uh, yeah, that's that's the way it all started out. But uh, you know, that was that was it was it was almost like fate, I guess you could yeah. say. Yeah. You know, Tom, you've been in a lot of bands over years. Right before you came out, I was playing Advocate. Before you came out, I was playing Do or Die. Oh, is that right? Oh, okay. yeah. Old school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, that's, that's what I am. 
I'm just old. I don't know what's cool. I'm just old. I see you play with. But how'd you manage to hook up with Jeff and get him in the line? Because I and I had the demo tape of the band Wolfwalk he was in, and you know uh, they were doing some really good stuff. They were a newer band, but they had that classic sound. Oh, uh, he's an incredible singer. But uh, that's that's all George. I mean, George went searching. I mean, we did audition uh, several singers and all great guys and stuff like that. But uh, you know, we were looking for a certain style. And when Jeff came to the picture and George says, you got to check out this guy. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was, I was, I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> I mean, for like days, I was like, holy cow, this guy is so beautiful, you know? And we yeah. got to get him. And uh, that's what it was. Because uh, you take it from there, I mean, I, he just, yeah, it was kind know, of weird because, my lap. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, Brian Thomas <clears throat> was at my house and uh, he told me about this uh, incredible band that he's seen, Wolfhook, you know, and I hadn't, seen him yet and uh he mentioned it like two or three times he's like you, you're gonna love these guys they're like old school with you know heavy 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 guitars and he's like the singer is like my favorite singer in detroit wow. you know him and this other guy uh steve perone were his favorite singers and uh <coughs> i had <clears throat> excuse me i had mentioned to him that we were auditioning singers for um, for Ichabod Crane, and uh, he's like, "Dude, you should check out that guy Jeff from Wolfhook." He uh, walked out to his car and he brought me in a CD. He's like, "Here, take this. This definitely is right up the alley of what you're looking for." You know, we I was I, we were looking for somebody that could fit into the, what we were playing you know, the tracks that we were cutting, and I heard them, and I was just completely blown away. And then, uh, like, two days later, I called Jeff, you know, I go, listen, um, we're looking for a singer, and uh, I know that you're full-time with Wolfhook, and uh, we don't want any conflict, you know, with with your band. This is all something that we're doing because we'd love to do it, and he agreed, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. He came over to my house like a week later and started cutting scratch tracks. And, you know, it was amazing because he was singing the track and he went, he was like, oh, I could do it better. And then he did it twice and it was just flawless the first time and it was flawless the second time. So I knew it was going to be easy to work with this guy. He just had his shit together. Now yeah, it, it was kind of it was kind of funny on my end because uh, I was on vacation actually when uh, Jeff was actually doing the demo work and I was on vacation in Florida and uh, uh, Rick Kitt just comes on emailing me he's like you got to listen to this he sent me a, he sent me a, a demo like a, a just just a, a wave file and he's like you got to check this out I'm like oh, I'm, dude I'm on vacation you know like you know wait no 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 you don't you don't understand you got to you got to listen to this thing you know. <laughs> So like I finally listened. I think I was like I was in Disney, like waiting to go on Space Mountain or something like that, you know. And, and, and yeah. Like, you know, I just put it on my my smartphone, and I just like I had to go. I'd actually even when I go in the bathroom to hear it because it was too noisy, you know. And then I was like I couldn't. I just could not believe it, you know. And and that's how the whole thing started. And I was like, I just got to get this guy, you know, immediately, you know. I mean, we, that's it. Audition's over. Yeah. yeah. He, he's got a great voice, man. He's definitely from like you know the Rob Halford school of heavy metal. He's like that old school classic. Singing, and it's hard to find really good singers today. Let's be honest. I mean, there's not many out there anymore. Most of them are to the death metal and the growling, and it's hard to find a good singer who knows how to sing today. 
Well, yeah, especially our style. I mean, we we were really looking for, uh, you know, a certain style. And, again, we had a couple of guys out there, and really good guys, you know. I mean, they there had been no problem, but we were just looking for that, that little extra kick, you know, and uh, just a certain, certain style. And with Jeff, I mean, it just fit the mold perfectly from what we were writing, absolutely perfectly. I mean, I couldn't even think of anybody else who could pull the job off. It's good. Yeah, did, did a great job. You know, guys, most fans that know you from your, I mean, you know, Tom, most people know you from being in Sleepy Hollow for a lot of years. You're not with them anymore. And, and George from Halloween. Was there any con- – I mean, this doesn't sound like any of those bands. This sounds completely different. But was there a conscious effort to not sound like stuff you did in your other bands because it is something new? Or is it something that can be avoided because you write how you feel. And, you know, what you feel comes out in all your music. Well, for me, most of the, uh, most of the things I thought were going to be a problem – was um you know I, I don't I didn't do very many side project things you know I've been pretty much I, I think I did a keyboard thing for Ozzy Tribute before but I never did original side project and the fact of it being Rick and I working together on this because you know we did the first two albums together you know there was a little bit of concern that people would um you know, would tag Halloween immediately. And, you know, it's nothing to be embarrassed or sad about because, you know, that, that's a, a big part of my life. So, but that was kind of an issue that I kept in the back of my mind. Um, it, it doesn't, the stuff doesn't really sound any different. I don't really know how to say it. It's, a, you know, Tom brings a different, and Jeff both bring a different feel to the songs, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, Rick writes the way he writes. Rick wrote the entire album, all the music, and Jeff wrote all the lyrics. So basically all I did was just, you know, put my hand in the soup. I never really gave it much thought for it to sound like Halloween, you know, because I knew that the approach that Jeff had vocally was different than Brian's approach, you know? Yeah. And, you know, the way Tom plays, Tom is the a kind of drummer. He reminds me of, like, a Vinny Apice, real powerful, heavy drummer, you know. And it it crossed my mind that, you know, the stuff may end up sound. some of it might sound like it, but it really didn't turn out that way, which was kind of cool. Yeah, you know, I don't think it has any resemblance to anything uh, Halloween whatsoever. I mean, even though, like it says, it has you and it has Rick on there. But I mean, that you played with Rick early on in, in the Halloween, you know, career. Uh, did the stuff that caused you two not to play together back then come up now, or was it just issues that didn't even matter today? Well, there was really not an issue. Uh, what happened at one time, Rick, uh, you know, Rick, at, at that time, Rick had uh, his daughter, I mean, she lived with us since she was born. You know, she lived in the band house with everybody. And, you know, there was just a certain time where Rick needed to um, focus more on his kid, um, focus more on a steady career so he could take care of his kid. And, you know, that was completely understandable. And then right around 2000, he had an opportunity for a really good paying job down in Atlanta and you know how could how could you be mad you know you sure. got to take care of yourself so there was really never really you know I I've been friends with Rick the entire 30 years I've known him and 
Uh, as a matter of fact, when uh, when because I, I I've met Bob when he was with Attacker over in Germany. <clears throat> we did the Keep It True Festival together, and we became friends. And I seen a post about he was looking auditioning guitar players for Sleepy Hollow. And between Rick's wife and myself, um, Rick's wife contacted Bob, and I contacted Bob, and uh, he, that's how that ended up working out. You know, between Rick's wife and my wife, which kind of bridged that gap. You know, so I mean, I've always been um, felt very strongly about you know because Rick had actually stopped playing for many, many, many years, and I always knew that there's this great talent there and he should get out and start playing again you know so it's just all about you know we've been friends and that was just a show of support to get him back into the metal scene which i'm really happy he did you know yeah absolutely it's great seeing you guys all play together again i mean it's such a connection between the bunch of you i mean and tom oh, yeah. you come from tom you had it you were based out of new jersey i mean we have a great metal scene here on you know down here in the new york new jersey yeah, we always have i mean right. times have changed things are different but how do you? How is it like? You know, trying to find like like-minded musicians, people to play with that kind of have the same goal or want the same direction, or willing to put the time and effort into making a band happen. We know it's not so easy today. I mean, it's a different world, a different environment for music in general. But how hard is it? Is it easy here to like like say George, where you're up in, in Michigan, like to find like people that have that same drive and goal? Well, I think everybody like there's a lot of people around here that have the same dream, so to speak. Uh, as far as putting a hundred and four thousand percent into a project, that's that's a hard thing to do right now. Especially, you know, I mean, we're a lot older. You know, there's there's people out there that just, you know, I mean, we're not in our twenties anymore. You know, yeah. And uh, a lot of people just can't. And and you know, nothing against them. You know, they have families now. They just can't dedicate their time to you know to actually do something and, and pursue it and constantly go after it. You know, I mean, as far as these guys. I mean, it's 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 kind of a, a nice thing that we're kind of like far apart because we do we do a lot of stuff via internet and uh, you know we we go through uh, servers and drives and that's how we send our files back and forth and we kind of do it in the convenience of our own time you know which is good because time is very very you know it it, it it's hard to, to to create the time these days you know and sure. uh, but I I think that you know with with the guys that in Ichabod Crane we're just I mean we, we came together so natural. You know, now that is extremely hard to get. You know, and I think that was again that was a gut, and that was absolutely faith, I think, and it was almost like a miracle that happened. You know, because it, it was just it just happened. You know, and and we clicked, and everybody had to, you know, like we're going back and forth. You know, Rick was writing the initial stuff, and and you know we were all adding our little little pieces. You know, I was putting my drums, my tempos, my time changes, and things like that. And everybody was like so. Uh, you know, everybody just led each other's minds, which was extremely weird because, you know, it's, it's there's no conflict whatsoever. Everybody agreed to everything. Everybody had their constructive criticism, but the constructive criticism was in a good way, you know. So we, yeah. we applied it and made the songs better, and that is extremely hard. And uh, as I said, well, you know, uh, back to hard musicians, yes, it, it, it is very hard, you know. But we got very, very lucky with the project that we're doing right now. And, you know, I, I think that's fantastic. 
Yeah, that is important. I mean, nobody's ever going to agree upon everything. You can't get three, four, five people in a band together in a room, and everybody's always going to agree upon every little thing. But like it says, as long as the criticism comes the right way, it, that's, what, you know, that's what's going to make the band better and improve it. You know, where other bands just like go out and head and nails, they just fight nonstop, and it shows in their music. And you can feel there's like a camaraderie here when you hear the songs on this album. No, we were all you know, excited when we heard the songs, and, uh, you know, I think there was absolutely no egos whatsoever, and, uh, you know, we just wanted to head first, and it just, we, we went, it was like a team, you know, that, that's the whole yeah. thing, it was, it was actually teamwork, it was, it was, it was like a, a basketball team or a hockey team, you know, we were all just together for one, to achieve one goal, it wasn't about I, it was about us, you know, I'm sorry. You know, and uh, the constructive criticism w- goes a lot smoother if you're open to it yourself, you know, sure. I mean... You know, somebody comes to me with an idea, and, you know, it was nothing that was completely changed parts or anything, but if someone were to come to me or to Rick or Tom or Jeff, and we've all changed parts before, and it usually, you know, everybody needs, everybody has fresh ears on stuff, you know, and, you know, Tom would hear something that I didn't hear, you know. Right, right. You know, and just by keeping an open mind, you know, it makes it a lot easier to give and receive suggestions. And it, it, like Tom said, it was just, it was like amazing how easily it came together. And it also helped that, you know, we weren't in a studio per se with a stopwatch and a whip hanging over us. You know, we were able to do it at our convenient time. You know, you can, Listen to the track for a couple of days before you start laying something down. That That's makes true. it a lot easier too. Well, hey, like you know, going back to like the day you formed the band and you started writing music and you started putting the songs together to now, where the album's just about to come out, it's done, it's in the can. You know, what what changes from the first day till now? I mean, do you look at the album, the songs differently today than you did at first? Are you more you know critical of what you put out compared to like when you first heard it? Because things always seem to change in production, and a lot of people aren't happy. But when you look at it now as a whole, I mean, are you happy with the products you have now compared to, like, when you first started? Will anything change from day one till now? Tom, you want to take that one? Oh, it was, it was literally, I mean, I loved the material when I first heard it, when we were just messing around demoing it. I loved the material. I can't, I, but I tell you, when Jeff came in and put the vocals in and everything came together, it was, it was incredible. I mean, it, yeah, night and day, absolutely. Yeah. But it was always, it was good from day one. But at the, the, the final product, I mean, we all talk about it was like, holy cow, you know, this thing, well, actually, this is pretty darn good, you know, I mean, yeah. but, uh, you know, from, 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 from the get-go, it was good, you know, and I knew we had potential, absolutely, you know, uh, very good melodies, uh, very good chops, uh, you know, Rick, amazing songwriter, and, you know, even listening to, you know, he's demoing some leads and stuff like that, and you can't hear the leads, and uh, are the leads very technical? I mean, he's got parts of the technical, but they're so melodic, and, they're, you know, they stick in your brain, you know? And I think that's a very, very important thing, the melodic portion of it. And when that's we true. All, and when, when, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, we don't have to be speed demons or anything like that. We just, you know, we're just old school metal. To, so you can bang your head, tap your foot, feet, you know, punch your fist in the air. That's what we're looking at, you know. And that's the way it came out. Now, at the beginning, again, it was, it was great, you know, but when the production started. And then, you know, George was in there, and he started mixing stuff. And he was playing stuff again, giving us, you know, uh, how does this sound? How does that sound? You know, we tweaked this, we did this, we, we put in that, you know. We added this, you know, we took out that. 
then it really started coming into it to a major project, and that's when I got very, very excited. I mean, the whole process, I would think I was getting excited more and more as it was going. So you couldn't wait till actually you got done. And then, yeah. then, 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 then when we get done, they're like, okay, let's get the thing mastered, you know? And, like, and then we're all on the edge of our seats waiting for the thing to come back mastered to really see how it sounds. So it, it was very, very fun. Very, a lot, a lot of fun. I can imagine. And one thing I love about the album is that, you know, you, you know people like, sometimes they look at the systems like old school, they're like, oh, okay, it's, it's dated. But this isn't dated. Old school metal is never going to be dated, in my opinion, especially when it's done the right way. And when you listen to this album, there are choruses and verses that you'll remember, riffs that are going to stand out in your head, lyrics that you're going to be able to sing to and repeat. And I think a lot of bands today have kind of lost that art. They, you know, they'll play a song where you just don't remember one part of it or even one note as it goes along. It's forgetful. And this is so memorable. Every song from start to finish, you're going to be humming it and singing it. And I think that's so important. I think that's an art that's lost in a lot of bands today. They don't realize that there has to be a hook, a chorus, a verse. I don't care if it's black metal, death metal, speed metal, melodic metal, power metal. It's got to be catchy. And that's what this album is. Thank you, thank you. Wow, thanks. Anytime, that's what I'm here for. George, you did a lot of the work behind the scenes on this. I mean, how how do you feel about it? I would have done anything if it wasn't like that melodic. I, 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 if, if I didn't think it was good, I wouldn't even, even bother with it. You know, I just knew it was going to be good from, from the start. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, George, like I was saying, you uh, do a lot of the behind-the-scenes work with the music and everything like that. Do you find things are better today for, like, as far as the recording process goes, where you can do a lot of it on your own, where you don't have to rely on uh, – I mean, it's expensive no matter how you look at it, but rely on getting that big record company money to, like, you know, to go in the studio for weeks on end, where today you kind of do it from your own studio – you know, the funny thing about this is, you know, my total investment to mix the record and engineer it was under 100 bucks. <laughs> That's how much my program cost. Well, I should, I should have married you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> how that all actually happened was um, we did everything via Dropbox. We were sending wave files. They were The guys were sending them into the Dropbox, and I was picking them up. And what I did for a few of the earlier songs, you know, I would get and I would lift the wave file up and uh, I would take the guitar and then I would take Tom's drum tracks so I could write my bass tracks to it. And then, you know, I got kind of a level so Jeff could sing to it. And then, you know, Jeff would lift the tracks out of the Dropbox. He'd sing to it. And... uh, we were actually looking for somebody to uh, mix the album. And, uh, you know, again, being a new band and not having a budget, you know, um, the guys thought the mix was good enough to keep going. You know, they all helped me with the mix on it. You know, I, you know, Tom would say, well, make those kicks a little punchier and, you know... I'd literally listened to that and worked on the mixing for almost three months, probably 10 hours a day. And my ears would get burnt out after a while. Excuse me. And then I would rely on the guys to let me know what needed to be done. You know, but doing that aspect of it, you know, of, of the record, you know, there's always things I wish I had the capability to do, you know. Sure. I didn't have any effects. I had to pretty much make all the effects. Um, 
the delays on the vocals and stuff, all that is is uh, I would take a track, I would copy it, and move it back a little bit in the track, the next track, so it would have a, a delay. Now that's old school. Yeah. 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 <laughs> because, again, the program I had was like under 100 bucks, and it had zero effects on it, so... Yeah. Uh, it did have an EQ, so, you know, and I was keeping my fingers crossed because they mastered it over in Europe, and uh, once, it, it was kind of like letting your kid go outside and play for the first time, you know, and hope you don't run into the street and comes home safe, so basically, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I sent it, I sent the entire, the entire album all over to Pure Steel, you know, they jumped on board, you know, luckily they jumped on board with us and signed a deal. And uh, he's like, well, we'll get somebody here in Europe to master it for you. And as Tom said, you know, it took it took a, maybe, what, what was it, Tom, three weeks before, three or four weeks before we got yeah. back. And you're sitting mm-hmm. on pins and needles wondering if everything you did wasn't good enough, you know. Yeah, we knew it was good sure. enough. You were just getting nervous, but uh, we were excited about the whole thing, you know. <laughs> But uh, no, George. I mean, there was times when George, I mean, just, just we, you know, firing emails. I mean, you couldn't even have a point forward to him because he just was so cluttered with his head. And I mean, he put so, so much time and effort into this thing, you know. And it was his baby, you know, just to, to do the engineering portion of it. And he was, I mean, I know George. You were, you were burnt. You were fried, you know, at that point. Oh, and I was. Times, yeah, we had to step away and just like, you know, for for a couple of days or even a week, just like, you know, uh, you know, talking to the other guys. Let George just let, let him just, you know, regroup, you know, and you know, we can't throw too much information on him, you know. Well, that's pretty much what we did. It was kind of like you know, leave you alone for a little bit because it was it was really really tough. And I know, I mean, just seeing some of the, the emails going back and forth. I mean, you're up all night, you know, doing this stuff. So for days, almost it felt like you know, it's like sure. when, yeah. when the heck is he doing this? You know, I'm getting I'm getting emails like at four fifteen in the morning. You know, like what's yeah. going on here? Oh so, uh, yeah, was, yeah. You know. there was there was honestly there was a couple. I think there was one stretch where I uh, was going on my fourth day, and I think I had like. Four or five hours sleep. I'm like, all right, I gotta stop. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and now that it's done, you know, I I, we we get the fun part of actually learning how to play it again. That's right. You guys have the show coming up soon, don't you? Yeah, actually, uh, July 26th, and the vacation capital of the world. It's Fort Michigan. And I believe, yeah, yeah. I have a, I have a picture of Superman I posted on Tom's page. He goes, I'm a crime fighter of the world, but I'm sure as hell ain't going to Detroit. Boy, I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to make sure I bring my Kevlar bulletproof vest and ready to go. Don't 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 bring your bulletproof bulletproof vest. Don't bring anything that you want to keep. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's either death or stolen. I, I got to figure it out. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's the next step. Now we got the show coming up on the 26th. I'm really excited, and I believe this is the first time I'm going to actually meet Tom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, face to face, sure. You know, it's, it's again, you know, via internet. You know, holy 2000s. What can I say? Yeah, and. Uh, I wish I could be there, but you guys, are you going to try to get this out in the road? I know it's not so easy. You know, everybody wants you to come play where they are, but you think you're going to be able to get this out in the road or get a couple of shows going in different places? Go ahead, Joe. What I would like to see come out of it, you know, I, I, I would like to do, I don't know about actually going out on the road for a long stretch of time. It'd be nice to pop up and do shows when we can. 
or festivals. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm looking for really. Right. Yeah, we're that, that's kind of what Halloween's doing too. You know, we're we're not really we don't really play the Detroit area very often. Um, would would be the perfect scenario is to get some uh, festivals over in Europe and maybe do some festivals here. You know, again, all of us have, you know, other things that's going on in our lives. You know, town, you know, got the family and work and, you know, everybody is pretty much, you know, doing work things. So taking extended time off is hard. So it'd be really good to get in front of big crowds and do selective shows. And... Yeah, the, the, I mean, it'd be great if we could, you know, go. I mean, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be opposed to touring. Yeah, I think that, you know, once the album comes out and we get, you know, uh, you know, we get played out and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll start talking about that and hopefully we'll do something in Europe. But, again, I mean, the festival is definitely the way to go. Uh, you know, there's some festivals over here that are okay, yeah, you know, but, uh, you know, my, my goal is definitely to do European festivals, you know, because just the, the, the scene over there is so much better and we're kind of tailor-made for the European crowd right now. Absolutely, that's where it is today, especially like for the festivals. I, I don't blame you one bit. We are starting to get a, we are starting to get a few of them here in the U.S. that are getting bigger and bigger every year. It's never yeah, going to be like exactly. over there, but at least it's an opportunity for the fans here to see a lot of you guys play because there's really no other way. And you know, I, I don't blame you one bit for trying to hit the big festivals over there. But hopefully, you will be able to get out over here a little bit more, and we can see you guys. But before I'm gonna have to let you guys go in a few minutes. I got someone else waiting in the wings, and I want to get on another tune off the record. But where can people find you on the internet? The album comes out what, July eighth? And what tell me about about the show. All right, well the pre sales will be July ninth. You can pre order and you'll have them by the release date, which is July twenty sixth. It officially will be on uh C D Baby, Amazon, all of the internet downloads will be um July twenty sixth. But the, if you want to pre order the album to make sure you know, that you are able to get one. Hopefully we'll sell that many. Um, <laughs> the pre-sale July 9th at www.ichabodcrame.com. And uh, there's a blog, there's some reviews on that page, and uh, a bio, there's T-shirts, merch. So um, you'll be able to get it there um, there'll be links to where you can pick up the digital downloads, or you can order the CD directly from that site, uh, IchabodCrane.com. Excellent, uh, George, Tom. I can't thank you guys enough for being here with me today. You put out an amazing record. The day Thanks, of reckoning Mike. is coming soon. And hey, look, we'll do this again sometime in the future. And I can't wait for the second record to come out, even though we're still waiting on the first one. <laughs> well, there we're you go. That pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, right. that's actually that in the works great. right now. Beautiful. Yeah. Guys, thank you. I can't talk. I can't thank you guys enough for coming on it today. Get one more time. Thank you so much. Like we really appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks, Mike. Take care, guys. Thank you. All right, man. All right, buddy. Tom Wasserman, George Neal, and Ichabod Crane. You know, we played Advocate before they came on. We played an Ichabod Crane song. Let's get a one more new tune off the record called Hypnotized, and we'll follow it up with a Halloween tune. All right? Sit back and relax, everybody. Then we have Mr. Ken Pierce from Pearson Metal calling in with all the weekly concert calendar news. <laughs> Thank you. 
that not long ago and you get them on vinyl which is amazing it came a cold vinyl too and right before that Ichabod Crane with Hypnotize I want to thank George and Tom for calling in and hanging out with us for a bit we have Mr. Ken Pierce from piercingmetal.com on the line Kenny's going to give us all the concert count info for the New York area for the week and waiting in the wings is Rotten Rod from Nightmare 2 T you there? I'm here alright so I'm just checking our good friend John from New Jersey sent me a tweet Saying, please get on some onslaught, Angel of Desert. So, John, right after we hang up with Kenny, I'll get that song off for you. Then we'll start talking to Rotten Rod from Nightmare Two. So, T, we gotta get Kenny on the line. We gotta find out what's going on in New York this week. All right. All right. Here you go. Oh, hello there, Mike. It's always great to be back with you guys uh, here on the Heavy Metal Mayhem Show. And uh, thanks for always wanting me to announce to the 
to the Republic of Metal Heads here. What's going on in our week? And let's get right down to business because uh, I am swamped over here. And this time the cat is not yelling at me to get off the phone and feed her. So that was pretty funny last week. So, hey, let's go right to Tuesday where the, the mighty septic flesh is headlining what is called the Conquerors of the World Tour. And the 2014 event brings around with them Flesh God Apocalypse, Necronomicon, Black Crown Initiate, and Animist. And that show is going to be happening at the Gramercy Theater. Tickets are still available if you do not have one yet. On Wednesday, back at the Gramercy Theater, you got Rival Sons. This is a great hard rock band, Mike. I hope you've heard them before. And if not, do give a listen. I think you'll like what they deliver. That is going to be at Gramercy Theater. While also... Uh, Osric Tentacles are bringing their brand of psychedelic rock, fusion, jazz, punkish, progressive, everything. They, they do everything in this, in this band. They are over at the Brooklyn Bowl. Should be a very interesting show. And uh, getting a little difference in your life, you got Ginger Baker over at the B.B. King Blues Club. Part of the Jazz Fest this year. Two appearances. He's here on Wednesday and he's here on Thursday. Now, I know it's a jazz show, like I just said, but, you know, sometimes you want to see these legendary guys while they are still with us, and that's always a good thing to do. On uh, Thursday, you got the Sounds of Summer Tour over at the Prudential Center, which is going to bring uh, a headlining sticks with direct support from Foreigner and Don Felder. That should be an interesting show over at Prudential Center. I don't see anything on Friday, but Saturday you got Infest over at The Wick in, in Brooklyn. Uh, this is another new venue that I've just heard about, and uh, The Wick Music Fortress is going to host the first ever appearance by this uh, legendary band, Infest, who are apparently a hardcore uh, punkish band. And since I didn't follow that stuff way back in the day, I don't know, so uh, you got me on that one. They will be joined by Painted Black, Replica, and Ajax, it should be an exciting time, so don't miss out. And that, my friend, is all I have for you. i got to get back to updating this website. So until that time, if I've missed anything, drop me a note via the Piercing Metal uh, official page in Facebook or follow us on Twitter just to see what we're up to and where we're standing on the scene, and I will talk to you next week. Have a great one, brother.
All right, John, there you go. Onslaught Angels of Death. I think the band's coming back to the U.S., so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them. Last time I caught them, they played with Empire of Evil or the same Fires and Broker. That was an amazing show, too. You missed that one. That was really good. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, there's a whole bunch more. Car- I, I don't know if you've heard, but King Diamond's going to be playing at the Best Buy Theater in New York in October. Wow. Yeah, it was announced uh, last week. I think the ticket's going to sell next week, like $35 a ticket. But this is the first time I think he's been in New York in about 10 years. And the first time he's played out really, you know, in the States in a long time. He's done a couple of the festivals over in Europe. But here, he's doing the whole full stage show. It's going to be great. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. And, and just a couple of days ago, I spoke with uh, Timmy Holmes. Well, people know him as Timmy Grab, but a bass player from Russell Fed. Been trying to get him on the show for so long. And he was like, Mike, he goes, I'm just not in the music business no more. He goes, there's really nothing for me to talk about. And I was mean, like, just talking about Merciful Faith the old days. Like, he goes, I'm out of the business. I really don't want to talk about it at all no more. So he's kind of out of the business entirely. So I don't know if that means that there'll never, ever be a Merciful Fate reunion with the original members. Or I guess if maybe there's enough money involved in it and he'll, you know, participate. But right now he's kind of out of music altogether. You know, and I'm, I'm trying to get the, I'm trying to get everybody from Russell Fate on the show before we, you know, pack it in the call of the day, because you know, like my favorite band of all time. So I got to get all five of the original members on here, but before we go, Kim Rudd's is easy, but nobody wants to talk to him. But we will try anyway. Who knows? You know, you never know. Yeah, what wow. can you do? Well, T, you know, last week you weren't around. Last week you were you were a little busy, but uh, we played a uh, Kamikaze by your band Pete Rotz last week on the show. Oh wow, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna get on another song. So you know what? I know it wasn't like the fully mastered one, and I mentioned that to everybody. It was like it was a rough mix of it, yeah. uh, but I think you know we get it on for people to hear, and uh, it looks like a lot of people have enjoyed it. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, hey, yeah, you know, come on, you're my you're my paisan. You're the best. You're the best. I got to get that out of there. I got you know, I'm waiting to play more, but I wanted to wait for you to come back on. I should have did it today, but we're tight on time. But you know uh, what? We got the whole summer to uh, do Pete Rotz. We got to try to get yeah. the other four guys in the band on one day and maybe have everybody on. That would be cool, yeah. We'll do we'll do a Tempest, Pete Rotz, and I'm still going to call it Tempest. I can't help it. That's all right. That's all right. Tempest Brooklyn is okay with me. That's good enough for me then. You know, maybe we'll do that over the summer when uh, we have nothing to do. We'll see if we get everybody on one Sunday. We're not going to get anything accomplished. You guys are going to be bullshit for two hours. <laughs> It'll be fun anyway. I know. <laughs> but that's to be pretty good. Maybe we'll do that one day. Uh, talk to everybody. Find out when they can all do it. And we'll uh, try to get everybody on here at one time. That should be fun. That'll be fun. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, we'll do like a metal moderator's form or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. All right. Well, you know what? we got Rotten Rod coming on in a few minutes. Everybody remembers him from the Nightmare 2 days. It was Nightmare originally, then Nightmare 2. And a lot of those guys went on to form the band Warrant. Early, you know, like early on, and uh, Rod kept it going, and he had different incarnations of the band and different bands on the different names. So we'll talk to him about all of that and find out what's going on. But let's get on a song by one of his bands. This is uh, from Rotten Rod and the Warheads. This definitely has that old school, uh, you know, hard rock, heavy metal, sex pistols type of feel to it. It's a song called Crew World, and as we uh, play this song, I will get him on the line, and we will start this interview. I gotta put some oil on this chair. The squeaking is sending me friggin' nuts. Yeah. Right, sit back and relax. <laughs> heard that just now, yeah. <laughs> Oh, wow. 
down. <laughs> Dave, I don't need any drugs after watching that video. Can wow, you believe I'm rotten rod? I mean, rod. All right, there you go. Rotten Rod and the Warheads Crew World. And to remind everybody, next week we have Jim Little from Rogue Mail, the great new wave of British heavy metal band. And oh, an wow. interview I just did this week with Ethan Brosh. Uh, he used to play in Angels of Babylon with Ryan Olf from Man of War, but now he's solo and has his guitar records out. He played this weekend uh, with Carmine Vinny Apathy at the Iridium doing the drum wars. So I spoke with him at the, at the gig, and uh, we'll get that interview on next week. I just didn't have enough time to get it on this week. So uh, let's reach out for Rod, see if this will work here. Hang on. Dial that number. See if it goes through. Ah, you gotta love technology. It's a it good works. thing, huh? When it works. When it works. What's that? Rod, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Who's this? This is Mike. Heavy metal, Mike. That's it. What's going on there? Oh, I'm nice, buddy. How you doing? How's everybody I'm out doing... there in Headbanger land? Hey, we're doing good, man. You feeling particularly rotten today, or you're in a good mood? Well, uh, I'm in a rotten mood. <laughs> That's always good. What's going on? Not much, man. Hey, listen, your... I, go, I, I go back at you way back to the Nightmare days, and it became Nightmare 2, and there was the Warheads and the Rod Squad and a lot of other things. But, you know, Nightmare and Nightmare 2 were the same band, just add a little Roman numeral to the end. They're like a cult underground favorite. Today, people still talk about that band and that music. Does it surprise you? Right on. Right on. We, we, we tore it up. We, uh, we took no prisoners. <laughs> they were good times over there. And you know, like a lot of people don't remember, you know, you go back to those early days of the band out in California. You're not originally from California, but did you move out there to start the band or just because of the scene in general? I left. Uh, I'm from southern Illinois. I lived about 65 miles east of St. Louis, and I moved to California in 1982 because that's where everything was, and the scene here really isn't, there is no scene to speak of, so I went out there where the action was and uh, stayed out there for 30 years, and wow. I moved back, back here to the Midwest about three years ago. Had enough of California, huh? Well, I was in a position where I was able to retire and I needed to come back here to uh, to take care of some personal matters. And uh, the cost of living here is about half of what it is out there. And it's a lot slower lifestyle. And I just thought I'd come back here and chill a while and, and, and get a second wind. I hear that. Well, you know, let's go. Let's start like from the nightmare days. Was that the first series band you in in California? Um, the one, yeah, I actually played with a couple other bands just like filling in. But, yeah. That uh, I got there in uh, the fall of 1982, and I hooked up with those guys. I auditioned for a bunch of different bands and jammed with a bunch of different guys. But uh, I hooked up with those guys, and that band lasted for almost a year, and that started in the winter of 1983. So I, I hooked up with that, those guys about six months after I got to California. But before that, I auditioned for probably 20 or 30 different projects. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, the first time I came across the bands, I went to one of the, the record stores in my area, and there was a used copy of the Radar Love single, which was in the shape of a bat. And I thought it was sure. the coolest freak. I, I still have that till today. <laughs> I thought that was the coolest <laughs> thing I ever saw. And that's how it became, you know, back then, there was no radio play. There was very few magazines where you could find out about bands. We either found them in the record store or from the tape trading days where people traded tapes. You had no way of knowing 
who the different bands were all over the country back then. Sure, it was it was an underground fanzine, and uh, it, it, it's just amazing how everything was just really under the radar. That particular record, the the label that put that out in uh, they were from Southern California. They put out a bunch of my stuff, but that that record came off of a a press that they initially got that from Metal Blade Records, and they were pumping out Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone theme was on that record for a while, and then when they got done running that series, this label that I was on was able to get a hold of it, and we put the uh, the Bat record out. Yeah. Well, you know, the band had quite a few, uh, you know, singles and EPs out in the day, and it was like 89 when The Edge of Night came out and really kind of established the band, but then it seems like right after that, we never heard anything more from you guys. Well, that was just about the end of the end of the road for Mayor Two. That band kind of it was the it, 1988 was when that band was over with, and um, that particular album, that Edge of Night album, that thing is the collector's item. You see them on eBay now; those things go for well over a hundred bucks, like yeah. around two hundred bucks. And also that Bat record, that Bat record now is worth fifty to a hundred bucks in heartbeat. I'm going on eBay right after I hang up with you. There's a, a label on the East Coast, though, that uh, reissued everything on CD. I think it's uh, Old Metal old metal Records or yeah. Evil Coven or something. But anyway, all that's been re-released on CD. It's been remastered and re-released, and you can get those on eBay and also Amazon.com and uh it's a pretty good. It's a it's a pretty good CD. It's got just pretty much the whole library. Yeah, that's a skeletal remains I see that it came out a few years back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, were you involved in that in any way? Did somebody did or were you even known about it? No, 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 no. I was involved in it. I okay. was involved in it. They, uh, they got hold of me, and I still had all the master tapes, and I went to a, a studio in Southern California, and we went through them. And with the modern technology, was able to put a better mix on them and actually make them sound better than they did when they were on vinyl. Yeah, you know, like I can say Nightmare Two was such a classic cult underground band even till today. And, and back then, it just seems like you had trouble getting any traction going with the band. A lot of lineup changes. Was there anything you would like to have done back then, or looking back at it now that you you know you would have done then that you, you think about it now that you couldn't do back then? Well, you know, of course, you know, hindsight 2020, and there's a lot of, if I had to all do over, and now, I would have made some major different decisions, and it would have been, you know, it would have been a whole different story. But uh, the people, there was so much going on around, and there were so many different bands and so many different projects that people, when they were bands, it wasn't really, if it didn't really take off or wasn't going super strong, they all just were so antsy, they would jump ship and try something else. Instead of sticking it out and sticking around, if this wasn't happening, they just, it was just like checkers or leapfrogs, you know. They just, yeah. their patience, they, they wouldn't stick around. But uh, we slugged it out in the same clubs as Metallica and, and uh, Megadeth and, and Anthrax and, uh, although everybody on the West Coast played the same circuit, the same clubs, and we were slugging it out right alongside those guys. And 
so, I mean, it's like we were rubbing shoulders, and it was the luck of the draw, and unfortunately we didn't, was, wasn't able to make it to the next level. But uh, I've got a bunch of memories hanging out with all those guys and, and playing the same gigs with them and playing the same clubs. And Slayer, I used to go see Slayer all the time before they were ever signed. And uh, and there was a bunch, of, I had a bunch of friends out there and a bunch of bands that were just as good as anybody else and never could make it to the next level. Yeah, it's like hitting a lot of it. It really is. I mean, and you're talking about the early 80s, like you said, 82. This whole scene was just starting to take off at that time. Bands were just coming into their own. It wasn't, it wasn't developed. There wasn't like any stars yet. There weren't any major bands yet. But you could tell who was on the rise. I always felt like that Nightmare 2 was so unique. It had such a different sound than anybody else at the time. And I always expected so much more because I thought you guys stood out, you know, in the crowd where you heard so many other bands that wanted to sound like Metallica or Slayer or Warrant or, you know, all these other bands. I felt that you guys were like, you know, head and shoulders above those, those groups back then. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. We, you know, we were there at the same time. And as glam rock, and glam rock was really taking off big with with poison and, and bands like that. And and we made it a point that we uh, we promoted ourselves as metal that isn't pretty because we were trying to you know stay as far away from that scene as we could. And uh, it was tough. We were we were fighting against the hair bands. You know, it, it, it was, everything was there, and uh, we were trying to blaze our own trail, and, and we did to a certain extent, and I still got a bunch of friends that are out there doing it. Uh, have you ever heard of Ruthless? Band Ruthless? Ruthless? Yeah, it's still good friends oh, of mine. And, and Sammy actually worked on, Sammy's on one of your records. They're one of the records earlier. Yes, on yes he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and those guys, they got a brand new album coming out, and uh, Dark Angel. I just, you know, I'm buddies with Dark Angel, and I, I just seen where, heck, they're on a European tour. They're playing a bunch of uh, outdoor yeah. arena gigs in Europe. Yeah, so, they got back together, yeah. Yeah, and uh, That's amazing. there's several. Yeah. I got, several of my buddies are still out there grinding away and, and uh, knocking heads. Yeah, well, you're still, you're, I mean, you're still playing. You're doing Riff Raff right now, right? Is that still going on? Yep, yep, yep. I got a gig here, a local gig, and, and we do all Bon Scott songs, and, and we nail them. I, I can nail Bon Scott to the T. Have a hard time with Brian Johnson, but I nailed Bon Scott. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, before you came on, I was playing something with my Warheads, and, uh, and I love that stuff. And I was like, you know, this is like the old school rock and metal with a little bit mix of the Sex Pistols in there. I mean, I just love that little that punk feel that that group had at the time. And obviously, yeah, you yeah. Know, there has to be a little Sex Pistols in you over there. I mean, even with the name and everything. Oh, we used to play a lot of Sex Pistols. We used to throw one in all, all the time. And uh, actually... We would take a song like Metallica Sandman, and just for, for, for grins, we would start off with Metallica Sandman, but right as the vocals come in, we'd switch right into God Save the Queen. Everybody's expecting a Metallica tune, and all of a sudden, hey, they got God, God Save the Queen slapping them in the face. Yeah. yeah. Was good Sex stuff. Pistols was a big influence. That's where I, 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 I lifted that off Johnny Rotten. I, that's where I got my stage name. I lifted yeah. Rotten off Johnny. <laughs> well, yeah, you kept it going. Like, after that, too, what was next? The Rod Squad is up next after that? Well, yeah, that was in between. And uh, the Rod Squad, I had a couple guys that, uh, well, actually, okay, yes, it was. And uh, I had a couple boys from uh, Pennsylvania. They moved out there from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. One was Scotty and uh, Harry. 
Scotty played guitar and Harry played bass, and we had the drummer from Leatherwolf. Have you ever heard of Leatherwolf? Sure. Dean Roberts played drums for you on that, that record. Yeah. Yep. And uh, that gig, that gig was, it's a long, like a six-month gig. Dean was, Dean was out of Leatherwolf at the time, and he went right back into him. And when that band, that was kind of like we got together and made this record. And have you ever heard of a band called Max Havoc? Sure, I did. He also played on the the Nightmare, one of the Nightmare single, the singer of the band. Pat McKeon, Pat McKeon produced that Rod Squad single. Oh, okay. And and Pat McKeon is well, he's he's one of the guys out in California that's a local legend that never made it to that next step, but he's jammed and knows everybody in the business. And Max Havoc was one of the bigger bands around there. At the same time as Great White and Dawkins and Rat and other bands like that, that that made it to the next level, well, Max Havoc was just right there with them, and just unfortunately didn't get that lucky break. Yeah, it's like, it was like that for a lot of bands. But you had the Roswell going. It was a short thing, I guess, only like a year or so. Yeah, and then I then I had a punk band called Crooner, and Crooner lasted for a year, and it had Harry Hellman in it on bass. And uh, uh, Rob Steinman on guitar and Todd Ferguson on drums. And Crooner was a, a punk metal band. And we played a lot of Sex Pistols. And we played a lot of stuff like wrote in that nature. And it was one of the funnest, best bands I had seen. And unfortunately, we never made it to the recording studio. But that material, it was called Crooner. And there's, if you go on YouTube, you can see some crooner videos. There's several underground crooner videos, but nothing on vinyl or nothing on CD. That's one of the bands I got by me. I mean, I would love to hear that stuff. Do you ever think you might put it out there? I mean, outside of the YouTube videos? We have no recordings other than just live oh, okay. uh, VHS videos that was shot of the band. Oh, okay. That would have been great to but hear. Then, after that, after Crooner, I started a band called Rotten Rod and the Warheads. And Rotten Rod and the Warheads was actually probably the longest band I was in out there, and that lasted all close to probably 10 years. Wow. And we put out, the, put out several CDs, and at that point, nobody was doing vinyl anymore. That was the period where vinyl was kind of out and CDs were in. But uh, Rotten Rod and the Warheads put out several CDs and also um, shot about a handful, I'm going to say four or five videos in a TV studio that were like a poor man's MTV quality that got airplay all over Southern California on cable te television. And those are on YouTube. Yeah, Cruel World, I played that right before you came on because, and I took it from the video because I love the commentary at the end by the people that were hosting the show. So I threw the whole thing on there. Cruel World has got a cameo appearance by Lloyd Grant, and Lloyd Grant was a, uh, when I say cameo appearance, Lloyd played on the record. He didn't play on the video, but Lloyd played on the record on the, on the recording, and Cruel World uh, Lloyd Grant was the original lead guitarist for Metallica. Now, do you know yeah. the Lloyd Grant story? I sure do. Yeah, yeah, but Lloyd plays on that recording. He's a good friend wow. of mine. Yeah, I, I had an album out in the, the mid-90s that I picked up by uh, Rotten Rod and the Warheads, 
And, but the 90s were a tough time. Is that kind of like the beginning of the end for you as far as like your know, music and bands go? Uh, my, I, uh, the end came for me uh, in the mid-2000s. Uh, around, like around 2004 was about the last live gig out there I played, and that was a Whiskey A Go-Go gig. And after that, I had burnt my candle at both ends and ran so hard, I just basically ran out of gas. And I had to step back and take a breather. And in 2004, after that, I hosted a local cable show out there, a music show. I hosted a cable show for a couple years. And every once in a while, I'd jump up on stage and make a cameo appearance with somebody, one of my buddies playing or something. I'd jump up and either do a Metallica or ACDC or a Judas Priest song or something. But... Uh, as far as original stuff goes, I kind of like threw in the towel in, in like uh, 2004. But right before that, we recorded uh, uh, we recorded about a half a dozen songs that are actually, and they never have been released. I have them, but they've never been released. And they are by far the best stuff I've ever done in my life. Uh, I like to hear that stuff, I tell you. Um, I could probably get you a bootleg if you'd like to have one and, and check it out. And a lot of the stuff, some of the stuff, for some reason, my voice had developed and some of the stuff sounds a lot like social distortion. Oh, wow. Uh, and I got one song called Baby Acid where I thought, you know what, I'm going to make this as much as I can sound like Marilyn Manson. And I got a killer song called Baby Acid that's got a really Marilyn Manson feel to it. That stuff sounds good. Well, I know, like I said, you had Riff Riff going. Did you ever think you, you might, you know, reactivate any of these former bands, even just for the fun of it, or maybe it's like some reunion shows, or from Nightmare to the Warhead, any one of them? Or is it just like old news now, and that's, you're not even interested in it anymore? Well, I got, I got friends out in California, and it, it would not be impossible. There's a club out there that, that has a reunion gig every year. They've, they've had it. There used to be a couple clubs out there, the Schultz brothers were big promoters. They used to book anybody and everybody before they were famous. They booked Megadeth, they booked Metallica, they booked Slayer, they booked Poison, they booked anybody and everybody, Great White. And these were all bands before they got signed, Rat, all of them, before they were ever signed, were playing the Schultz brothers' clubs. And one of these clubs was called the Woodstock. And that was the name of the club, the Woodstock. And it was really... Uh, that and the concert factory, and then later on a club called Jezebel's. Well, these clubs, just anybody and everybody went through there, and it was nothing to go there on a weekend and see a lineup of uh, I think we lost. Uh, I think we lost Rod there, T. Oh boy, it was interesting. Joe, I was getting into it. Yeah, let me see. I got him back on the line, but uh, he must be on his cell phone because the reception wasn't so great. Let me try him again. I love that old stuff, man. Let's hear those old stories. All right. What's up, Metal Mike? Hey, we lost the connection there. So much for technology. Well, cell phones, my brother. I but know. anyway. You're talking uh, about Jezebel and all those other places you were up to. Yeah. Well, there's a club out there now called Malone's in southern Costa Mesa. It's called Malone's, and every year they have what they call a Jezebel's reunion. And the past couple years, Witch has been headlining. Do you remember the band Witch from California? 
Sure, Punky's going to be on the show in about two weeks. I remember those guys. Yes, well, which headlines it every year, and a bunch of other bands played. Ruthless played last year, and, and, and bands that are from that area, and I think one of these days I might go out there for that and throw together, get together one of my old guys, a group, and, and get up and uh, do that. It's probably either a Nightmare reunion or a Warheads reunion. I say um, do them both. You know, um, okay, you're familiar with the Warheads. For quite some time in the Warheads, I had a female bass player named Wanda Ortiz. And Wanda has been playing bass for the all-girl Iron Maidens band, the Iron Maidens. Have you ever heard of those girls? Sure, yeah. they got a show coming up real soon. Okay, well, the Iron Maidens has got Wanda Ortiz on bass, and she played bass for me for at least six years. And she's a tremendous person and a tremendous bass player. Uh, and let me see. One of my other guitar players is back in Toronto, Canada, and he's got a, a, a band up there doing really well. All, there's a, several of my old guys and gals are out there still continuing and going on and in bands that are, some of them are, are pretty successful. Wanda's toured the world with the Iron Maidens. Oh, yeah, uh, they're all over the place. I, she was in a band called Field of Vision, uh, or a band called Heartache City, I think, uh, back in the day, too. Oh, several. She had several gigs. But uh, And also, I'm still buddies with my my old guitar players that are in Warrant, Eric and, and Joey. Those guys are good friends of mine. And anytime they're around this area or passing through or playing anywhere near, I'll, I'll go check them out and hang out and catch their shows. That's all good stuff. Hey, you know, Rod, I only got like 10 minutes left in the show, man. I want to get on some music for people to hear. But I can't thank you enough for talking with me today. I'm, like I said, I'm a big fan from the old days, and it was great having you on here. Well, yeah, I know you got the Riff Raff show coming up. Why don't you tell everybody where it is so, you know, get some people in the door? Well, we're from southern Illinois, Hillsboro, Illinois. It's 65 miles east of St. Louis. And then our next gig coming up is uh, July 5th at Limos. It's a, a, a neat sports bar right on the courthouse square. And Metal Mike, I want you to email me your mailing address, and I'm going to throw together some nice stuff and get it to you. And I'd like to thank everybody out there for listening to your station and listening and supporting heavy metal. And bang your heads, people. Bang your heads, or we're going to rip them off. All right, right. That's the way to do it, buddy. Thank you very much. I do appreciate it. Big fan, and the best of luck with everything you got coming in the future. I know you're, you're, I know you're a big dirt bike racer, too. Hey, when you talk to when you talk to Punky and when you talk to anybody there from Southern Southern California, you tell them you ask them if they remember Rotten Rod, and if they do, you tell them he said, "Hey, I will." Punky be on in two weeks, and Sammy from Ruthless is on right after him. I'll let them both know. Well, both good friends of mine, and I love them both. Take care. You got it. Take care, Rod. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, Rotten Rod from Nightmare Two. Rotten Rod and the Warheads, great guy. I love like I said, there's nothing like the old school stuff. You know, you can't beat yeah. it. I love the old right. stories, though. All right, well, let's get on some Nightmare 2. Here's Metal Massacre.
There you go, Nightmare 2 Metal Massacre. You know, we were talking about Punky Peru from the band Witch. And Punky was supposed to be on the show next week, but he's moving from California to Pennsylvania over the course of this week. So we kind of put off till July so he can, you know, get settled in, not to have to rush to worry about doing this show. Because they just did their last show in California with the original lineup of Witch uh, last week before they came here. And uh, there must be stuff going on in California. Everybody's leaving California to move back to where they came from, a different part of the country. I guess, you know, everybody It is expensive, food. like you said. I think they pay like $5 and change for a gallon of gas over there. I mean, I know everything is pricey out there. It's like New York. It's yeah. no different. We live with it here. Uh, but you know what? I think I would think twice about going to Pennsylvania. But, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? Uh, that's where your family move. is, and that's where you, you know. Well, I know he told me that uh, he's, a, he's a captain of a ship, actually. He's a ship's captain. And uh, that's where his job is right now. So that's where he's going for that, you know, for that reason. But uh, I could get that. You can't just leave your job. You know, it's unfortunate. But we do have him on. It'll be in July. I'm waiting for him to get settled in. Then we'll confirm a date. Uh, like I said, next week, uh, we got a great show. Ethan Bro should be on. It was an interview I already uh, pre-recorded, so we'll have that. And then Jim Lytle from uh, Rogue Mail. A uh, week after that, we got Bobby Blitz from Overkill coming on the show. Uh, the new wave of British heavy metal band Sparta. We'll be on here, and that underground cult band, Undertaker. And I haven't really set nothing else up, like I said. Whatever comes in, we'll throw on. If not, I'm not actively pursuing anybody. And I think we have the singer from Sweet Savage. Uh, I'm waiting for him to get back to me on a date. So we'll see what happens. But this Thursday on the Metal Matinee, over the last couple of years, I've done different shows where we feature, like, classic bass lines and drums and keyboards. This week, I think, let's do the singers. So it's Masters of the Mic this week. And I was going to do it where... We picked out like just like you know the most classic, amazing metal vocalists like Halford and Dickinson, and and then I got to this like you know what I got to put Jeff Tate on there because even though he's a dick, he still got a great voice. Those early oh, Kings like records, great. Yeah, so then I was like you know what I'm like he's such a dick. I don't want to put him on. <laughs> I don't want to include Queens like on the show. So then I was like you know there's so many other great singers that maybe not are like in the range of Eric Adams, but you know I wouldn't compare Eric Adams to Lemmy, but I think Lemmy's an amazing singer because he sings you sure. know. It's sure, Lemmy, man. but I was like, okay. so, you know, so let's keep this show with just, you know, lead vocals, not a, a vocalist that also plays an instrument, just, you know, classic lead, you know, classic frontman, I should say. Right. And I said, you know, how can you not do, how can I not put D. Schneider on there? He's not Jeff Tate, but he's without a doubt the best frontman in heavy metal and rock in general, in my opinion. The guy knows how to get a crowd going. So I was kind of torn. I was like, you know what? Instead of doing the best, like, singers vocal-wise, we'll just do, like, classic frontmen, like, you know, men, you know, Great singer frontman, you know. So that's what this show is all about this weekend. You know, it'll be about the best frontman in heavy metal, at least the ones I can fit on in a one-hour show. Excellent, sounds good. All right, so that's what this metal matinee is about this weekend. I must have been hard for ideas, but you know, <laughs> that happens sometimes. Yeah, that's all right. Hey. Yeah, no. What are you gonna do, right? Uh, well, we're down to the last ten minutes of tunes here, and uh, I, you know, I wish I would have uploaded another Tempest because I would have got it on again this week. But I, I got the old songs on here, but I want to get something new on. Right, you got to send me some more. You only sent me the two of them. I wish you didn't have anything else. Well, that's, the time. that's yeah. It's all we recorded in this new new round. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah that's right. So maybe we'll get one of the other we, three. We're gonna in the future do more. Obviously. I would hope so. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> right, let me scroll down to the teaser. Maybe I did upload both of those songs. I think I only did one last week. Because I know you put one up on YouTube. So I said, you know what? I'm not gonna play that this week because you know people are gonna hear it on YouTube. Let's get the other two on. Let me see here. You know what? I didn't put that one on. Don't worry about it. Who was that one? Savage Messiah? Savage uh, Fury. Savage Fury. I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't put that one up there. All right, so we'll have to save that for next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll give you a reason to come back and talk to me next week. Yeah, I'll get you uh, uh, 
that one we actually did the the final mix on. Okay, so good. That. All right, that sounds good. One of the All right, well, mixes. let me see it what I have here. You know, improvements, but it'll it'll be good for the internet. That's all right. Let me see. Well, we can't get on that new list because I haven't really played any new music by old bands. I forgot to upload the new Gravedigger, which is actually pretty good. I have the new yeah. Tankard. Want to hear the new Tankard? Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. All right. Well, this is Rest in Beer. This band has been around forever. They're a German classic. They've been got a new record. It's actually the title of the new record, Rest in Beer. Almost every album and every song that the band records has to revolve around beer or alcohol. So, I mean, how bad can a band be that's, you know, constantly drunk all the time? There you go, having fun, man. Uh, absolutely. So you know what? We'll play the new tune off that record. We'll follow it up with Maltese Falcon with some Metal Rush, and then we're going to say goodbye. So, T, this is the last I'm going to talk to you today. Thank you for coming back. I appreciate it. I missed you over the last couple of weeks. It was good having you around again. And you know what? We're going to have more time to talk over the next few weeks because we're just going to cut the guest list down over the summer. So we'll have more time to bullshit with each other over the next few weeks. Okay. Thank you for the warm welcome, and you're doing a great job, Mike. You got it, buddy. Thank you. I'll talk to you this week. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Big T from Tempest, Brooklyn, and Pete Rotts. How about, oh, my God. I hung up on Tommy. Yeah, what the hell did I do here? Uh, I'm so confused here today. All right. Let's get on Tankid. Rest in beer. We'll follow it up with Multi Falcon. And I will see everybody Thursday for the Metal Matinee at 12 o'clock. Don't forget to tune in. I want to thank George, Tom, and Rotten Rod, my guests tonight. Buy their new records. Buy their old records. And just support them in general. Here you go. New Tankid.
worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.